Hi everyone, Romlord from Blightbringers here. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of our show. We strive every week to bring you quality Legion content free of charge directly to your earhole. With that being said, I would like to ask a favor of you this week. Wolf, one of the hosts of the show, is currently taking care of a very sick kitty cat, and I would appreciate it as a personal favor if you could please support him in getting the help his fluffy family member deserves. A link is posted on our page, and any amount you could spare would be very helpful. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Blight Bringers, a Legion of Everblight-focused War Machine and Hordes podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lore, and joining me this week is Cutter. Welcome back to the show. Ahoy, everyone. I'm back and got a little bit of time with the twins this past week based on the votes, so looking forward to talking about that a bit. Yeah, the twins definitely came from behind uh, in our little voting situation there. It was like Lilith won for a little while, and then Rias won to gain the lead, and then out of nowhere, the twins just stormed ahead. Um, so this week on the episode, we also have uh, two other people, uh, some special guests. So one person is Jesse. Uh, he plays Circle, and he's going to talk to us about the Circle matchups. So welcome to the show, Jesse. Hi guys. Welcome. Yeah. And then we also have another player, uh Peyton, plays Scorn. And welcome to the show. Hey guys. It's really awesome to have uh both of you on. Uh we're heading into the OTC this week, uh up in uh Mississauga, uh, Ontario, Canada. And we were hoping to get your thoughts on the Circle versus Legion and the Scorn versus Legion matchup, like what you guys would do to play into it and what you guys want to avoid seeing across the table. Stuff like that. Um, why don't we just get right into it? Um, I've yeah, put a link to the Conflict Chamber in the Legion channel if you guys want to check it out. Do the list. And uh, Cutter, why don't you take it away? All right. So looking at the OTC event 610 in Conflict Chamber, uh, the reason that we asked on uh, these two gentlemen is because Circle and Scorn are kind of in the top tier of attendance for this event, along with Protectorate and Kador. And in general, I think for the conventions I've been to and the ones I've been watching, Circle and Scorn have been kind of ahead in the pack uh, in terms of attendance and top table representation. So I think it's it's really interesting. It reminds me a little bit of Mark II, uh, where Legion and Circle kind of held each other accountable in some ways. Legion was kind of policing Circle in some regard. Circle was policing other factions. And I think right now uh, we, we're seeing that a little bit. Cater is kind of the outlier in that, I feel like. I don't, I don't see them fitting into the, the other three very well. But Circle, Protectorate, and Scorn all seem to be interacting in some way. So Protectorate is kind of keeping Scorn accountable uh, to some regard, and then Scorn is keeping Circle accountable. And I don't know how you feel. Do you feel like Circle has an advantage matchup into Protectorate, or where does that kind of lie, in your opinion? Um, the Minoth matchup to me doesn't seem terrible for Circle, but it doesn't particularly seem fun. It's not something you want to drop Iona into, but you can. Uh, if you're going to run uh, 
Kruger, it's probably way better. But I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure how how Circle was seeing that. Uh, obviously, like if Wormwood's around, you're probably going to end up getting the Harbinger list or whatever. So, yeah. So if you're running Wormwood, obviously they just if they have Hover Climber, they can't drop it. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so maybe that's something. It at least makes the Protectorate player play their other list. So <clears throat> that's that's something that's kind of interesting, and I think it it gives us a little bit of information about where Legion can how legion can look at that because if those are kind of the top three that are showing up uh with some respectable representation by others like retribution crooks crucible guard kator um but if those three are kind of gunning for each other i think we'll see the meta evolving around that a little bit where you know maybe protectorate being present means even though there aren't that many guns in the meta we still have to pay attention to guns and particularly ones that are going to ignore all the buffs. Um, and then we're also going to have to consider, you know, Scorn is going to be tacking for Circle. Like, I think that's that seems to be how things are going. Uh, and then Circle's kind of playing defense at the top of the pack, saying, like, okay, there are people gunning for us. How do we adapt to that meta? So that's that's why I wanted to have you guys on to kind of help us get some vision into that. Uh, and specifically, you know, the matchups that we think Legion are going to see. So if you want to start off with Circle, Jesse, uh, maybe you can give us an idea of kind of what's what's popular right now. Circle isn't represented everywhere. So kind of what the popular lists are, um, what you're seeing in terms of pairings. So where, you know, we see Iona a lot, what are people pairing with her? What are kind of the considerations? And then in the lists that are kind of going to be best represented, where what you're probably going to drop into Legion, and then we can kind of talk from that a little bit. All right. So um, I think Iona is going to be in almost every pair. A few people will run um, Wormwood with Tharn, and a few people will run Morvana with Tharn. But pretty much everybody's going to have Iona. Some people also might have Grail, but that's really just Lord of the Feast, the caster. Um, so I don't think there's a pair that you could bring that would make me not drop Iona into Legion. Uh, like, she, Lilith 1, don't mind. Uh, Lilith 3 would actually kind of be a problem, I think. But no one's going to be running that. Specifically because of the stationary? Yeah, or the threat uh, range and the and the important solos or like all of that. Yeah, it's all of it. Uh, so phantasm, you can be sixteen inches away from the thing you shot with phantasm up after uh, Willis repo, and uh, most people don't run a narhorn, so there's no stationary immunity. And Iona is typically going to be camping enough to where you can't just kill her, but people don't really play Willis three anymore, so you might catch somebody off guard. Yeah, but, that's interesting. Do you think like the the Carnivian build? Uh, that would probably make assassination more realistic because the Carnivian builds like three Carnivians, right? Yeah, it varies a little bit, but yeah, it's like a couple Carnivians, Seraph, uh, and then a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, like that could potentially catch someone off guard one time. One time, uh, yeah, right. Uh, but 
you know, Lilith would be able to just delete uh, Lord of the Feast immediately, um, or at least make him play very safe forever. Uh, you can delete Brigitte from the Brigitte Call unit. You can kill the Tharn Blood Shaman if they're running that. You can kill the Tharn Shaman if they're running that. But anyways, I, I don't think literally anyone's going to be running Lilith 3 for a little while. But uh, so there are basically two, like, archetypes for the Iona list. Uh, one of them has the Tharn Wolfriders in it, and the other one has a unit of Blood Weavers in it instead. Uh, what the, the list with Blood Weavers gets to have instead of, you know, the extra 10 points for dogs is the Blood Weaver Night Witch and another solo, usually a Tharn White Mane. Also, you get a, just a few extra points left over after that, so you can upgrade one of your War Beasts to Gatorix, who is kind of insane. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a 14-19 with spiny growth and excessive healing. So if you don't have anti-healing, he can pretty much tank probably an entire unit of Chosen? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty gross. He cannot tank a Blightbringer, in my experience. <laughs> no. Even though it gets a little bit better with Surefoot on him, but you're just going to Dark Guidance and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, everyone's concerned about Lord of the Feast. And if they're running a Blood Shaman, like they're running the Blood Shaman version of the build, their Lord of the Feast is the mid-tier. Uh, Iona's feet only affects his attack rolls for rerolls. Uh, it doesn't give him the plus strength. So you're looking at a power 16 rerolling to hit Divine Inspiration or to the Feast. And if they're not running the Blood Shaman, uh, he's really just not that scary for a Legion player. Like, you certainly can't kill your caster, especially with just a few camp. Uh, I'm not even sure if he can kill a chosen. Like probably the first chosen, like boost to hit the damage, and then he's not going to kill anything else. He's just going to put a bunch of grievous wounds out. Yeah, it depends on what kind of chosen you have. Like he'll kill Callus one chosen or Callus two chosen rather. Um, I don't think like Callus one with a blightbringer. I don't think he really gets through them. Oh no, I don't. That's because there'd be armor twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems unlikely. Should put yeah, it into odds might machine. get one. Might get one. I think is um, what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, the big thing there, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this. Uh, you, he's going to get something. Just make sure it's not, you know, everything, and move on with your life. It's not worth the clock that you're going to lose trying to deal with it, because it will be a game that probably comes down to like late turns, like less than five minutes on everybody's clock, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, so people are going to be pairing things that they want to drop into Minoth usually. So, you know, that's Wormwood uh, probably in Bones. Uh, double Storm Raptor builds are kind of meme kind of awesome. Uh, me personally, uh, I'll be running Balder 2 at Adepticon with Double Storm Raptor. And, uh, that's probably just fine into Callus. So you might have to worry about that if you're running Callus. Yeah, all those leaps. Yeah, the OTC out of 31 players, there are 14 Storm Raptors. So that seems like pretty strong representation. 
Yeah. And uh, so it's not even just the E-Leaps. It's uh, so on Callus's feet turn, you know, obviously it's bad. But outside of that, you can just do the Thunderclap one time and kills every bird in a zone. Uh-huh. Repo away, maybe be out of threat range of the Chosen uh, with a well-placed rock wall. Combine that with uh, Roots of the Earth. Yeah. And they're pretty tanky. Uh, full disclaimer, I'm not really a Circle player. I'm a Legion player that's having an affair with Iona. Yeah. I saw that I saw that meme uh, with the guy looking at the other girl, right? <laughs> Except it was Iona, and he's holding Anna Mag's hand. <laughs> I try. My last meme got deleted from Lord of the Feast General Chat. <laughs> My meme got deleted from Lord of the Feast General Chat. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't appreciate the new intro to the show. Uh. <laughs> um, Balder 1... Uh, you typically won't see him paired with Iona because Double Devourer's Host is bad. It uh, doesn't function as well as Double Primal Terror as well. Uh, and if they're running Balder 1 instead of Iona, uh, you're probably fine because his feet doesn't affect flying models. That is important. Um, if you happen to play Abby 2 into Balder 1, it's the best game ever for you. Yeah. What can make it terrible is if uh, he's they're not running Devourer's Host Balder and they're running... Bones, Balder, because I'm pretty sure Balder one has crevasse and it can be uh, geomancied. So Balder two terrible. is the crevasse caster. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I can see that being bad. Yeah. The Balder two list, I think, is kind of terrifying for Callus one. What? So what makes you say that? Just the the six inch lightning blast, and then the follow up attacks from that. Yeah, so um, the 6-inch Lightning Blast, it covers an entire circular zone with room to spare, with them only, like, getting into it, you know, a little, technically 6 inches, but, uh, so you can do that, and it's power 14 with Animus up, which it'll be up, because it's free. Uh, It'll kill quite a few of your birds, it'll repo back, you know, it should live through whatever Chosen you put into it, but before that, it can just pick out a few chosen if it wants because it's range 14 on its gun i believe movement seven Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, also every time one of your birds attacks it it dies yeah that sucks (laughs) (laughs) like the arc the archangel can probably pick that roll up it would be okay yeah i love the spray on the blightbringer it's so good yeah yeah especially yeah there are definitely circumstances where that's amazing that being said, the Electro Plasma Nimbus on the Storm Raptors kind of just better. Because with Animus, it's a power 12. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> synergy. Yeah, internal synergy. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> uh, let's see here. But I would say the most common match that's going to happen between Circle players and Legion players is going to be Callus 1 into Iona. And I think that matchup is mostly going to revolve around getting the best work out of your feet possible. Because not on feet turn, two Ravagers, maybe one, can kill your entire army except for the Chosen. It's incredibly hard to space more than the one-inch overtake and two-inch reach to stop a Tharn Ravager from just pogoing all the way through. 
of course, your feet stops that. Uh, they'll be able to buy another attack into the Incubi, and they'll probably hit if it's on feet turn. Uh, it's defense 16, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, rerollable nines, maybe rerollable eights. I'm a very good player because I count on those. That's <laughs> <laughs> how so you win events. I think you, I think for the most part, like th- those are pretty good odds. They're not amazing, but... Yeah, rerollable nines about 50%. Yeah, but... Uh, what you probably want to happen in that matchup, uh, I think you want to go second on most scenarios, uh, and you want to pop your feet and run everything up and just try to bait out her feeding and going into it, because they can't get that much value out of it. And at that point, they really can't kill Chosen anymore, because uh, their power 13s, power 15 if they charge, their power 18s with all the juice. Uh, Brigitte and Call can kill the Blightbringer pretty easily. Yep, that's been established. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It turns out it's about a coin flip if if it's prayed with I think divine inspiration and like flank or gang and all the other stuff and three corpses. Mm-hmm. And it's also probably four Ravagers also kills the Blightbringer. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Charles Aerosmith's build is probably better in the circle than the. Uh, JVM build, I with, guess. With the two Nerefs and the Angelius? Double birds, double chosen? Uh, it's uh, two Nerefs and a... Well, actually, he changed Oh, it Golab, again. right? Or was yeah. Golab, yeah. anyway. Yeah, currently it's a Nerf, Seraph, and Golab, but most importantly, it's Golab. Oh, it's uh, interesting to see the Seraph back in there, but that's that's a discussion for another day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's actually kind of relevant immediately, so it makes Golab threaten 13 inches. So that's what a Tharn threats with Hunter's Mark without triggering vengeance. They only threaten 11 inches. So you're chosen out, threaten them by one inch, and Nerefs, Seraph, uh, you're really not going to be charging with the Seraph, but Nerif and Goab out-threat it with Slipstream. Uh, the uh, rapid healing on the Ravagers is going to be amazing tech against the birds. Uh, they're going to have no knockdown tough pretty much all the time until you kill the Shaman which it's an 8-inch aura on his no-knockdown bubble, so it's a great target for the Blightbringer shot, potentially, because you don't yeah. really need plus 2 uh, armor. You will for the birds, but most of them are probably going to die. At least, you kind of hope they are on feet turn. Yeah. yeah. I think it's good to keep in mind that um, there is the minus 2 defense, no tough shot as well. We have that option. Mm-hmm. And it can be amazing. But uh, if I was in the Legion player's shoes, I would definitely just go for the impact attack to hopefully... uh, Obviously, you kill the no-knockdown aura first. Uh, Go for the impact attack to create the first tough check, and then do your charge attack if they tough to kill them. And just uh, hope they don't dodge or something. I guess they're they're probably deaf, what, 13 or 15? uh, Yeah, 13, 15 with your foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess on a seven with three dice, that's pretty likely anyway. Yeah, and if you get lucky and like say they went into you because you know bird jam, uh, you can unbinding the surefoot off of them, mm-hmm. and there you go. That should make that unit pretty easy. Uh, your hellmouse uh, can be amazing in the matchup, uh, and they can be terrible because you can't hide behind forests. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sucks. 
Yeah. Um, so in depending on the type of game it's going to be, I might pray the Hellmouth with Bridget and Call because Bridget has a 12 inch shot and just stay out of, you know, 11.23 of the Hellmouth. 11.75? Yeah, it's, it's something or something. Yeah. Uh, and just pop Power 12 Weapon Masters into it. Uh, yeah, that'll kill it, it eventually. Mm-hmm. Just got to roll well and you kill it on turn two. Certainly a plan. <laughs> you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Clearly. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit deeper about Lord of the Feast uh, because we basically have to make a sacrificial offering of our entire army with the expectation that he, you know, he's going to take something, then we kill him. So if you're looking at I mean, we're kind of talking about Callus One quite a bit, but so we can talk about that specifically, but also expanding that a little bit to talk about like how do you offer things to Lord of the Feast that are enticing enough, uh, but aren't going to cripple your ability to actually win the matchup. Mm-hmm. So, either version of War of the Feast with Iona is not really as terrifying as say grails like grails can probably kill like an entire unit of chosen and it's just terrible but iona's kills like one chosen and wounds like another two mm-hmm. you know as many as you put around it really but uh i would say the best way to bait out a ward of the feast would be like three chosen and i would probably try to stop at just three and, you know, be sure to act surprised. Be like, oh, crap, I forgot. <laughs> uh, Accidentally what? put your Archangel into, like, just close enough that he'll miss or not be able to shoot it. Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. Archangel's too close to that Lord of the Feast. I hope you don't go into it. <laughs> um, and, you know, if one dying and then two being wounded can be bad, but if they're also kind of not your frontline ones, they're kind of farther back, and other things can't get into them, that's kind of fine. Like, okay, Lord of the Feast is dead now, because, you know, one of many things killed it, maybe Kallus. Uh What you don't want to happen is let it kill, like, let it do good damage into, like, four chosen, kill a couple of birds, something like that, uh, with Tharn Ravagers backing it up. Because the Ravagers are going to have a lot of trouble killing your Chosen if they've got all the juice. Because you know, the best numbers are at dice off three, and that's only on the charge attack. And after that, they're dice off five. Yeah. But if uh, War of the Feast goes in and wounds them all, you know, one Tharn can kill the entire unit if they've all been tagged a little bit already. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, because... Uh, you just crockpot up the Tharn Ravager, put him at three corpses. He charges in, pops the first one, no tough, because you got hit already. Overtakes, buys an attack with the corpse he just got hit because rerollable fives. And then you're, uh, you're at dice off five. Let's say you took like two damage. So you need to roll an 11 to kill. It's a 12. Yeah. A 12 and then you just boost damage. One. Maybe kill it, maybe don't, but you're not going to be able to heal or tough. Yeah, that's bad. Yep. And then uh if you you know, you do fail to kill by another attack, he's dead. Uh, at this point I believe you're at two corpse tokens still. <laughs> and just do it again. And you know, you're talking like almost an entire unit of chosen dead at that point. And that's pretty hard to come back from. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially since your chosen are definitely going to be your worker models. Uh, what will be terrible is so uh, most of my experience comes from the Tharn Wolfrider build, but honestly, that's probably the less popular one now. People really like having all the other toys because uh, the Blood Witch is amazing into Immortals and into Callus on not feet turn. Uh, so if you're dealing with that version of the list, you also have to deal with ambushing Blood Weavers. So that's going to mess with Callus's scenario plans. You know, like auto winning on Mirage probably won't happen. Uh, and if they protect it well enough, uh, wait out your feet, the Blood Witch can kill, you know, all of the Rotwings if you get, you know, a little bit bad with your spacing. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, like I would say, I would say she would almost be my number one priority target for the Blightbringer shots. Uh, it doesn't matter, like, before you feet, because... She's going to go and she's going to kill maybe two models. But after she feeds, that's when it's bad. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, people need to keep in mind that Hellmouth, you can't get a backstrike bonus against the Hellmouth, but you can get the extra damage, right? Yeah. That's how it works. That's right. You're still attacking in its back arc, even though it can see all around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not the bonus that's triggering it. It's the fact that you're in the back arc. So don't get caught out on that. Yeah, a wolf rider, wolf rider champion can mess up a Hellmouth. Uh -huh. Power 12, Weapon Master, Backstab on feet turn, Power 9 regularly, and then it's got that attack again on a thrown weapon, and then the mount, which won't really do anything. Can't do anything at all, actually. Uh, so the Hellmouth, like, trying to, like, jam with the Hellmouth and kind of be cheeky with it in the early game... Is probably a terrible plan because it's just free corpse tokens. Yeah. And, you know, basically a Tharn Ravager just multiplies in its efficiency every single corpse token it gets. The horror stories you hear about a Tharn Ravager rolling through like 20 dudes usually involved a couple of bald attacks because dice happen. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's probably the reason why I'm just like, oh, yeah, nine, that's fine. Because. You know, on feet turn with Iona, you're talking about each one of your guys getting at least two attacks with rerolls to hit at mat seven or eight. And it just makes you be like, yeah, that's going to happen. And do they get to reroll every attack roll? Yes. That's, that's so uh, the And it's also ranged attacks. So, uh, you know, I'm talking about earlier, the Lord of the Feast, his bird is affected by it. I don't think you can puppet strings it and feet reroll it. Pretty sure that's you a no-no. You, you can. can. It, yeah, those both have a you can only be rerolls once by this effect clause. Mm. Like it'll call it out, but you can reroll it twice if you miss both the first two. Excellent. I haven't been cheating. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, like Lord of the Feast for me. Every now and then, it's like I think I'm doing this right. Oh, yeah. This seems extraordinarily good, but <laughs> I'm just gonna go with it because it's probably how the rules actually work. <laughs> I have a question regarding Lord of the Feast. Um, you said earlier that if you just get Lord of the Feast into one to three chosen, it's okay but not great because he tends to only kill one and injure the other two. Mm -hmm. Do you think that in that instance, like, do people tend to overestimate Lord of the Feast's ability to do work and are they better off maybe waiting an extra turn so he has the support from the rest of the army in some cases? 
like I'm. I know it's not like a circle podcast, but I'm curious what, because it sounds uh, like he's not that great. Like, well, he's good again, the, but like you know what I mean. <laughs> it's basically like the Iona Lord of the Feast is the weakest Lord of the Feast, like because she doesn't do anything for it, like at all. Yeah, you get just three rolls, yeah. and it's Matt eight. So what's well, it's potentially a few rerolls, but you know, still it's just rerolls. Um, yeah, I definitely think like. If you're playing against a, a newer circle player, they're they're gonna get like such a Lord of the Feast boner <laughs> that it's gonna kill their clock. Like, especially like let's say uh, Amok, right? Like Amok seems like a really good target because like oh yeah, it does this and this and yeah, like he's he's nice. But honestly, I think I would trade Amok for Lord of the, you know if I'm the Legion player, I would trade Amok for Lord of the Feast in a heartbeat. Yeah, if it came down to it, absolutely. Yeah, because like, yeah, you can't remove Surefoot anymore, but you have Dark Guidance, so. Yeah. And then the Ravager toughs like eighteen times. God, yeah. <laughs> we so irritating. <laughs> but you do have no tough aura with your Blightbringer, so. Yeah, who got one rounded by call earlier in the game? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just joking. But yeah, the yeah. the the circle lists nowadays with Tharn, they're. They're incredible. They're so powerful. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, they're, it's really just everything I wanted Ward of the uh, uh, Primal Terrors to be. Um, like, I love Primal Terrors because, you know, just, oh uh, yeah, I hit. What'd you roll? I, man, not snakes. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure I hit. And yeah, then, you're you know, like, but I'm defense 17. You're like, yeah, it's just, it's not snakes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I need a three. <laughs> Yeah, you see this bird uh, and this Blightbringer and this Gorag and my buffer Mana Mag? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm hitting at like Matt 20. So silly. And uh, for the most part, uh, the Iona like Tharnwist lets me do that, kinda, again. You know, you just have to reroll instead of not look at it. But for a lot of things, it's just you die. Like Power 18, yeah, pick up your model, please. I'm not rolling damage. It's dice plus X. Uh, and so that's the other thing. Um, again, you know, you're probably really going to want to play for clock in the Callus Iona match. Like, unless you mess up and then the game's just over, like it, it can be terrible. Uh, but if it comes to that, uh, if they roll their damage on every one of their attacks, that's really going to be a benefit for you because they don't have to on the birds. You just auto die. Uh, and if they do have bad dice and they have to keep re-rolling those hits, it's going to eat into their clock. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Uh, I've had a 40 minute turn before. Yeah. Ouch. I believe it. <laughs> and I, I killed every model on the table. But uh, if you're, like, let's say, you know, you baited the Iona Alpha into your feet turn. Okay. Well, you probably only let them have birds, maybe like two chosen. Okay. So if they kill every single one of those models, that's 44 models. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to be almost out of time. And, yeah, that's interesting. And uh, it just kind of depends on how well you can come back into their, you know, Tharn at that point. Because if they're bad with their spacing and you're able to really leverage your impact attacks, you're at dice off two on against their feet turn, dice plus one regularly with uh, an inside and impact attack. And then at dice plus two or off one. No. Yeah, that sounds right. It's been a while. Uh, so you can pretty easily kill a couple of Tharn Ravagers with a Chosen. Uh, that's not including a Blightbringer buff, just Insight. Because the Blightbringer buff, you might really want to be leveraging that gun 
Like, cause you know, you know, again, the late game is, can I kill call? Like is call dead. Okay. Then the Blightbringer's fine. Is Lord of the Feast dead? Okay. We haven't talked about her war beast at any point in this. <laughs> yeah. There's it, also a battle group. Yeah. Oh, man, why why did I faction hop? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we talk about the battle group and then we'll move on from circle and we'll get uh, we'll get some thoughts on scorn. Yeah. I, I legitimately just forgot about the battle group entirely because most of the time they just chill in the back and wait for the late game. And the late game almost never comes. God, that's irritating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> um, oh. For the battle group, what, what would you normally bring? Is it like a werewolf stalker and something else, or? Uh, so there's pretty much two like you know cookie cutter builds. Let's I'll go with three. Uh, so there's double stalker. I don't really think many people run that, but some people do, I'm sure. Uh, then there's Gedrix and a Stalker, and then there's a Feral and a Stalker. The Stalker is all the time, every time, every single list, and you really want to kill it if you can. And it's because of Sprint. Uh, Iona's personal output is pretty great. She's also got Overtake, and she has Parry. So she And she also has Blood Boon. So uh, Sprint is basically just the best animus in the world for her. Yeah, really. Yeah, because she can charge in, kill a guy, Hunter's Mark from Blood Boon, Sprint away, and she's camping four, maybe five. You know, who knows? She's camping whatever she wants to be camping. <coughs> uh, so a Stalker can not one round a Blightbringer, I believe. Uh, you know, realistically speaking, it's probably like a 35 or 40% chance. Uh, Getterix, a little bit higher than that. Hunter's Mark helps, you know, both of those because you get one extra attack. Uh, I would say it probably takes four Chosen to kill a Stalker. Uh, you're probably going to really want to try to bully the table a little bit with your Hellmouths because, you know, there's not a lot of models to stop drags. You know, there's the Tharn Ravagers, but it seems like it'd be fine uh, to be able to try a bully with your tentacles. Of course, your tentacles are mostly there to stop uh, their scoring. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, so Primal, you know, Fury, uh, oh my god, it's been a long day. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, a Stalker with Primal is uh, the reason why you run a Feral. Uh, because it makes it to where it probably does one round, the Blightbringer. Power 21, dice plus 2. Four attacks of that, maybe five. Yeah, that'll get some work done. Yeah. Seems I think it has like 50-some okay. boxes, 56, 8 boxes. I think it's like 50 on the dot. Oh, maybe be just 50, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been quite a while. So. Yeah, I can see it going down pretty easy to that. He's got... I think it's it's like 54. 54, 54. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, so, and Gedrix can be nigh unkillable. So, I would, you know, this is like, you know, out of my ass math, but you could probably incite a unit of birds and put a Blightbringer shot on it, and he could live through every one of them that can get an attack on him. Yeah, it gets real bad if you start dinging him for one damage and then he heals to full and then all the rest of the birds just, you know, cry in unison. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's it's a their power thirteen with the juice. So that means you're at dice off six if he's got spiny growth up, I believe. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. So on your first attack, if you roll low, he heals and you didn't do anything and repeat. And mind you, that's within sight. That's with the Blightbringer shot, and that's assuming you get enough of them on it. Uh, and more than likely, there's no more than likely. Like uh, a good circle player is not going to let you do that. He's going to hold it in the back, and he's going to really bully the positioning of your Blightbringer with Call and his heavies, uh, because that's really all they need to do is keep your beast farther away. And if there's a forest in the middle of the board, you should just go get lunch. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> go get a burger, get some ice cream, come back next round. <laughs> sounds like a plan. Yeah, and remember that we were talking about this before the before we started recording, but if a forest is on fire, it's also a cloud. So that can be really helpful, uh, not only because they have to run through a fire forest, but also because they can't see through clouds. Yep. A fiery forest or earth, but mainly forest, is just absolutely terrible for the Tharn player to see because those fire rolls are also dice off three and no excessive healing. Right. Yeah, that's pretty good. So uh, before we move into scoring, you were saying uh, this is something else we talked about beforehand that Animag might be okay into oh, yeah. Iona Tharn or maybe some other Tharn. Yeah, I think Animag is just. A-okay in Tyona. Uh, you have every tool to deal with everything. Uh, her feet works on every model in the army. You know, the Grievous Wounds being you know in a very important part of it, that is. Uh, her Hellmouse can just remove Tharn Ravagers. Like, no one thinks about that, but like, yeah, I'm just gonna charge three tentacles into three Tharn Ravagers. They're dead. Yeah. <laughs> And what what kind of build would you be looking at? So obviously double Hellmouth with a Blightbringer, probably? Uh, yeah, I would go with uh, the one I ran all last year, which would be double Chosen, uh, Blightbringer, Hellmouth, Harrier. Full disclosure, I never actually ran the Harrier. I was too lazy to pick one up. But uh, a Harrier, uh, two Spell Martyrs, Gorag, uh, Unit of Warmongers, Amok. And then like Rotwings or something? Yeah, I really like a minimum unit of Rot Wings with Animag. It gives you a really good flanking force that can just delete a heavy. Like, if they don't give those uh, birds the attention and that they should have, just, oh, yeah, there went your Juggernaut. On average dice, it's just dead. Yep. And also, they run 14 inches, so that can be huge to, like, contest, because, like, let's see here. Let's say you're playing spread the net. You can just run a bird over there, contest their uh, their rectangular zone, and really just focus on the fight going on in the middle, which you will win. Yeah, I always like the birds to help clear. One of the things that's happened to me with Animag is she'll get kind of like jammed up on. She'll trip over herself a little bit. Like your Hellmouth will pose something into a forest or whatever, and then your army can struggle a little bit to kill that thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the rat wings help a lot with that, or like clearing chaff in front of the chosen, and then moving out of the way to put up charge lanes and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, so Animag having Carnage, you know, it's almost the equivalent of Dark Guidance. She has the plus two strength buff that's just going to go everywhere. So you're always going to be at flat dice or more dice, mm-hmm. more than dice. Uh, 
Gorag's, you know, amazing because it can further that. But, you know, basically you're just going to hit all the time. Uh, and you're going to be able to kill her heavies, like, no problem, like, at all. <laughs> uh, but not only that, uh, since your hit buffs stack, you know, so high, uh, Iona being defense 16 with, you know, dodge and parry and all that, she can just die. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, you'll find that uh, an Iona player might, you know, leave her up a little bit more than they should because she's, like, damn near unkillable. Well, not so much, because, I mean, you know, you could just, like, run Gorag in, uh, give him the minus two, put Carnage up, and then, you know, just ca- charge a couple of Chosen into it. Oh, look at that, boosted hits, crit knockdown, all that jazz. Or, you know, Hellmouth her, like, over into obscurity, Yep. and then focus on the rest of the army. Like, it's definitely a game, I think, that comes down to player skill, but you know, just get to the point of where you feel f- confident in that. Cool. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good coverage. Do you think we're going to see, as a Legion player, almost always the Tharn list? I think so. Uh, I think if they're running, like, the Balder 2 double Storm Raptor build, which is uncommon currently, like, I think I would worry about that, because I'm probably... I don't have a local Legion player to try it against. I just have to think about it. But it seems just fine to me. And whatever list you're pairing with Callus probably doesn't want to see that either. You know, like yeah. if you're trying, you know, JVM's a Lilith one list, it's probably pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're running, and, yeah, yeah, like uh, if you're running the Thagrosh list, uh, they won't they won't drop the Balder list, I don't think. But it's not really scared of it either. Is it just because it doesn't have enough damage output, or like why wouldn't they drop that? So if you're running the Children of the Dragon list, uh, uh, the Wind Wall is only going to affect Azrael's Spear, uh, which puts it down to a 9 or a 7. I forget. Uh, it's 10 to start. 10? Okay, so it puts it down to a 7. So it you know takes his Spear out of the equation, but a charging... Uh, the, Balder doesn't have a buff for the Raptors, like an offensive buff. Uh, there's Hunter's Mark in the list, that's it. So... They're going to be able to charge and fail to kill your heavy, and you know two heavies into it, it dies. Uh, pretty sure most uh, children of the dragon list don't have a way to get rid of roots of the earth. Is that right? No, there's nothing in faction that would do that for that's... children of the dragon. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I thought. So, you know, they they might consider that, but honestly, I think they're just going to go, yeah, drop Iona and delete. Uh, Balder one is okay but like i think if they're running balder one instead of iona yeah they're gonna drop balder one uh kruger i I just don't think you're gonna see kruger uh tomas mancha will tell you that kruger will win that match every time and tomas is saying that from his perspective (laughs) yeah that's 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 tomas the uh the chosen of orboros yeah the true lord of the feast. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Uh, let's see here. Oh, one more thing we didn't talk about earlier, but the uh, blood shaman for uh, any of those lists uh, for Iona, it's what gives divine inspiration, and it lets her put a hunter's mark out of activation. So if you can, you know, you see the opportunity to get her, kill her, because it makes call and word of the feast much less of a concern. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see here. So wormwood is. 
again, I just don't think you're going to have to worry about it nearly as much because it's not going to be able to get through the beef that well. Balder 1, same problem. Uh, I feel like Balder 1 is okay into into Callus 1, though. I really do. Uh, so that might be something you might have to learn the hard way. But uh, that's all I can think of for the uh, circle matchups. I could talk out of my ass about Grail, but War <laughs> of the Feast kills everything. That's all I know. <laughs> Good to know. Well, thank you for going over that. That was quite substantial, so we really do appreciate it. No problem. I hope it's not too terrible. You know, obviously, I know way more about Legion than I do Circle. I think it's good that you have that kind of split perspective on it where you're very familiar with Legion and you've been playing a lot of Circles, so that it really helps the analysis, I think. Yeah, it was pretty hard to phrase a lot of that because it's like, oh god, what what position am I at right now? Am I the Callus player or the Iona player? <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't we move on from Circle unless you've got something to add, you know, Cutter or Peyton? Um... I had a question. How do you feel about Bradigus into Legion at the moment? Because he's been seeing a, an increase in popularity as a scorn drop for the circle pairing. Uh, it doesn't really seem that bad to me for the Legion player. I mean, you just kill his heavies. That's what I thought. I just want to get a second opinion on that. Yeah, like Kallus doesn't hit as hard as Animag, but Balder doesn't have any like mass attacks, right? Uh, it's like four or five attacks per heavy, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like he won't really have the volume of attacks to get through the callus list, and honestly, you'll probably just like scenario them out. Um, yes, yes, the scenario is probably it. Yeah, I think on oh, feet turn you probably jam them really hard, and then you're not really casting spells, so Mystic Words isn't really relevant. Uh. Synergy is like kind of pointless. I mean, maybe it'll help you kill Incubi. Yeah, I'd seen a lot of play of the uh, like a four white, a four, a build with four world whites, which can just set like four or five Incubi on fire, um, which is slightly problematic, but you still jam that scenario fairly well. Yeah, the fire is a problem for sure. It's at this point we remember like Baldur's or uh, Thoral's feet is like some massive scenario play. Mm hmm. It is. But do you care if he kills 20 Rotwings? Not if I get 20 Incubi. <laughs> <laughs> now his feet's not an offensive push, so yeah, I just think the Thoral player just loses on Scenario. Okay. And it's almost impossible to trade up in point value. Yep. Seems fair. Very cool. Well, thank you, Jesse, for all of your insight into that matchup. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, you can stick around if you like, or you can take off. It's up to you. But uh, we're going to move on now to Peyton and Scorn. Um, and I'll, I think I'll let Cutter take it from here. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Scorn is one of the other factions that's kind of on the top of the meta. It's something that I think a lot of us saw coming when Scorn got an incredible CID following uh, the Circle CID. And Scorn is in a really good position to counter some of Circle's shenanigans, or at least make Circle play a game like everyone else is, uh, which I know they don't like very much. So particularly with Immortals, uh, I don't know how the Makeda 3 matchup works, or you know if people are running Rosheth, or uh, like Kaiju, Xerxes 2, or whatever kind of stuff people come up with. 
I know Zadesh is another one that gets paired with the Immortals list. Um, but kind of getting an idea of what is Scorn bringing to the table and why? Are we always going to see one that's Exalted and one that's um, Imperial Warhost? Are we going to see, you know, like, is that kind of the formula? And then if it is or if it isn't, what are we going to see as Legion? Probably. I don't think either of these factions probably pay a whole lot of mind to Legion, except with some idea of like, okay, I need to not lose to Kellis one. So what are your what are your kind of thoughts going into what's Scorn putting together for pairings right now? Uh, and then which of those is probably going to end up with Legion? Right. So Scorn's in a really weird spot where I don't know what the optimal pairing is. Um, I do think these top like four to six casters are definitely think casters that will be in the top or have options to be in the top pairing when it, that pairing is settled on. Um, Makeda 3 should probably be in your pairing right now. Um, she beats Kador, has a game into Protectorate, uh, which Protectorate has been, since the Judicator got buffed, has been a somewhat of a predator of uh, Scorn. She also is fairly is playable into Circle. Uh, she's not optimal, but she's playable. Um, she is, that with the, is that the Imperial Warhost build? Or yes. is it uh, either? either. I mean, Exalted itself is okay into uh Tharn and Tharn usually uh will overcommit into Exalted because they don't know how much they have to commit due to tough che- uh steady tough and not ever getting corpses. Yeah. Um and if a Tharn player ever overcommits, like my last game with Makeda three into Tharn, he overcommitted to kill Moloch and two and Moloch and a turtle, and I killed ten Ravagers, a white main, Brigid, a stalker, and his objective. With Makeda. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, I guess. This is fine. <laughs> um so and then that's in the Imperial I prefer her an Imperial War host. It gives her I feel it gives her more game and allows especially um especially since I'm not a fan of playing into Judicators at the moment, and that gives us our best game with Makeda. Um, largely because she just killed Hieroclaimer, and uh, he actually has to put work into killing heavies that are def or the Cyclops models that are def thirteen and reasonable armor. Um, and Exalted Immortals just died to blast damage because they're only dice off seven, and he's pow ten double signs. Yeah. Uh, but in the Scorn pairing at the moment, I think it will be Imperial Warhost paired with Exalted, with the exception of Rasheth. Because if Rasheth is in your pair, you drop the Exalted out, I think. I'm not completely settled on his office at the moment, but it is... Um, right now I'm looking at either Zal 2 and Exalted or Makeda 3 and Warhost as the pair. Uh, but the Rasheth Winds of Death uh, is still extremely strong, and I don't know if it's because the people were playing it for so long, or people find it boring, but they've stopped playing Rasheth in America. Yeah, thankfully for us, I think it's such, such a bad matchup. There's, I, yeah, I still don't think that we have an answer to that. Yeah, I think they forgot he's good. Uh, so I was when the CID came out, I was toying with new things, and then I went back through my war room and I found I looked at an old list that was just triple battle engine. I'm like, this is still really, really good. So I started playing around with it, and I traded out the battle group to put a sentinel in um my last game i gate played against legion on rasheth he turned the sentinel sprayed four chosen killed three left one on one box 
uh, before he um, it didn't quite tough check him. But I'm like, that spray's pretty good in this into pretty much anything in the meta right now because it's pal 14 poison plus his feet. So it's a rat seven pal 16 poison spray with Swift yeah. Hunter. Yeah, that's okay, I guess. um but i do think the top six casters you look at here are all like what i would expect to see from scorn um as a legion player i would specifically look at makeda three uh morgul two and rasheth as things that you would would play into um there are a couple people playing zadesh two exalted and i think that list is actually really bad for legion two but it hasn't really caught on yet uh the because Legion stopped playing uh, Isla Sight models anymore, outside of like uh, Bloodbringer. Yeah. Um, and he puts out a good, a decent cloud wall, and he has a bunch of Pal Fifteen defensive strikes, which were lot like kill Bert, Matt Nine Pal Fifteen defensive strikes. So they kill birds, they hurt Chosen, because mm-hmm. um, they probably won't be, they won't all be in the Blightbringer or at that point in time. Um, but largely, like I don't think you ever see Zaltu because Zaltu is too slow on scenario. And because uh, he only runs ten inches, and you can turn off in corp very, very efficiently. Yeah. Uh, but largely, I would look at if you're looking at what to prep for for scorn. I would look at Morgul two and Makeda three. And if you have Rasheth in your local meta, uh, try something there. I'm not sure what for him, but yeah, I um, know Cutter. You faced Makeda three twice. We talked about it last two episodes ago with JVM, and uh, both yeah. times you just straight up murdered her. So that's you know that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> one game was me rolling dice like a monster, and another game was Makita not failing to kill Callus, and then she died because she was, you know, right in front of my whole army. Yeah, that's how, that's how this game works. A lot of Scorn players doing that recently, like not exper- Scorn players that aren't super experienced there yet. We'll get we'll see an assassination run and get baited into it. I've seen it a lot with like. Uh, Makeda three into Scar three, where Scar three are like camp two at armor twenty six or at armor nineteen with like twenty six boxes, and yeah. you just can't do it. No, the new uh, battle engine casters—they're pretty tanky. Yep. Uh, so Xerxes two, you don't think that we would see it all? Is there just not the volume of attacks to deal with like a like a Callus one push? I think push? if Callus one goes first, Kaiju loses that game. Um, just based on the fact of he can shove you so far back into your zones that you can't contest enough. Okay. Um, at least that's been my experience. I've only played Kaiju into uh, Kalos 1 twice, so I'm not super experienced in the matchup. Um, I do, like, it It feels like Scorn's advantage if it goes first in that matchup because we everything runs 16 inches up the board and Kalos can't go, Carlos either has to feet bottom of one or can't go up very far. Um, but if Callus goes first, he can take up enough table space to push uh, to make sure the scorn player can't commit because Callus can actually remove your pieces. Okay. Um, what specifically in the Makeda three matchup do you think will give Legion trouble? The the combination of the mobility of the list, as well as the number of pieces that you have to avoid uh, losing. So you're it's similar to the Iona matchup. There are less models that can just time that can just remove every model in your list, but there are still those models. Um, I'm talking all my experience with Makeda three has been the same list that won LBO. Uh, double Archidon, double Brute, Moloch Karn, 
one turtle, uh, a glide eater, and an agonizer on Zadesh one, and a Kriam Akita. Death 16 um, that can hide behind forests and buildings and move nine inches and kill things between on the Archidons is extremely effective. You can never get the Blightbringer shot where you want it um, because of four shield guards. So they can, they'll just keep the uh, Exalted Court back and shield guard off the Blightbringer shots. And if you do shoot the Blightbringer, it gives it guarantees Makeda's unit has plus two uh, strength and arm and Pathfinder. Um, you also have a bunch of low, a low arm infantry of the birds, which are amazing eliminator targets. And Moloch will kill anything and everything he wants. Yeah, uh, and- the eliminator <laughs> is a big. That's a big trick. That that's how Makeda got into Kellis was he just threw an eliminator and let it drift into a bunch of birds and figured like I only need to really kill two of them uh, and ended up killing three. So that got him far enough to get up there. Um, do, do we want to talk about what eliminator is in case people don't know? It's a range ten, uh, power thirteen or power fourteen. I don't remember. Uh, AOE, AOE three. Uh, every model it kills lets her move three inches. Um, on feet turn, she gets the blood boon it, boost a hit, kill a model with it, gain the fury back, and move like four to five inches or four to six inches off of it most times. Yeah, so it's a pow, it's a range, it's actually not quite that good. It's a range eight, range eight. 13, and AoE three, and it's two inches per model destroyed. So usually she can clip two to three models in it, so she can move like four to six inches um, after and then overtake afterwards. So usually it's like a five to seven inch move. For free, mm-hmm. that's really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I thought I was good with overrun. This is this is very good. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be magic eight pal fifteen. Um, unless you're an exalted, if you're an exalted, it'll be magic ten pal fifteen because you have the telemetry arc node. Right, and she's using insight as well, right? Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. man, she casts insight for free on feet turn. Oh, that's really good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking at what's really good in the Legion uh, from Scorn, uh, I'm not sure it's the optimal play, but Mark II Legion looks decent into it. Uh, lots of Isla Sight models, to, so you can be decently good against Marvel 2, so his feet doesn't time walk you. Um, you can The Naga is really good into Makeda 3 for just removing the Blessed and the Kree Animus. Um, the also, a lot of our casters right now are very frontline casters that don't like to camp much. Like the first four, the top uh, four most popular casters at OTC are frontline casters that camp one or two tops. Yeah. Um, and so the classic like Mark II Legion of Beast Brick that can assassinate really well is probably decent in Discord right now. Yeah, the problem is I just don't think you see that list anymore with how uh, Legion has changed. Over, uh, I one, I one hundred percent agree. It's while it's good, it good ish in the scorn. It makes your pairing a lot weaker overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're in a local meta and you're gunning for a scorn player, you know if they're going to be a top table and you want to, you think your other list can handle everything else, maybe it's worth considering. Uh, and just hope that they don't end up with, I don't know, like Zalt two. Or Resheth. Resheth still probably blows everything up, right? But maybe you get to take some stuff off the table first. Yeah. Resheth is uh, something 
I think Rosheth, your best answer to Rosheth is Cal's too and hope they screw up. Because the Rosheth player has to play so cagey in that matchup not to lose his death 10 armor 14 caster. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can push it really hard. And I think that's your best bet just into a Rosheth pairing. But like I said earlier, Rosheth is not popular at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing the kind of nightmare pairing from my perspective into Scorn, aside from Rosheth is Makeda 3 and Exalted, or in um, Imperial Warhost Warhost. and Morgul 2 and Exalted, because they both feel pretty strong in the Legion. What do you think, if you're running that, what do you think, uh, what's the thought process of the Scorn player? Okay, Um, it depends on what my opponent is playing. Uh, If my opponent has the Abbey 2 list, that I've talked about a little bit in the Discord that has the double Archangel. Uh, I don't drop uh, Morgul because I can't blind anything because that list also has a misspeaker. Um, and Morgul just dies mm-hmm. very efficiently. <laughs> um, if it's double Primal Terrors or Primal Terrors and Children of the Dragon with more of an infantry theme, um, I can probably drop Morgul and be safe, but usually I drop Makeda here uh, so she doesn't randomly die to Asriel at POW 19. Because um, Usually you are paired with either oracles or uh, children who both have yep. reasonable assassinations on mortal. Yeah, yeah, and Makeda's always going to have a lot of shield guards around her too, right? Yeah, and it the the shield guards to basically shield guard to her to get make sure she has power nineteen because usually the children list has guns it wants to be using, and I'm assuming oracles is probably playing at least two or three guns that are uh, fairly important. Yeah, it's uh, possible. So it, there's sprays a lot of the times these days. Okay. Yeah, I think in, so, in oracles you see sprays because you see thrones, carnivians. Uh, if you have Thagrosh, you've always got Typhon with you. So yeah, I don't think, so I don't with think oracles, the shots. shield guards are less relevant. Um, but uh, in like the Azrael matchup, like uh, manual, the Azrael list that Emmanuel's been playing recent um, for the past little bit, uh, forcing Azrael to not be able to do anything. Is or or trigger battle driven on my caster is um, definitely frustrating. Yeah, but I do think if it's if you have a solid assassination run in your second list that can see through stealth, you probably get Makeda three. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um. And so looking looking ahead a little bit, is Scorn preparing for Circle a fair amount? And do you think is so? I guess maybe a better question is is Scorn looking at legion at all like do you even pay attention to legion or do you just like you if you hit them you're like okay i'll just pick something out of my pairing and go with it so i am not paying attention to legion i'm paying it Uh, (laughs) but yeah it's as long as i have a list that i feel i can not lose to callus one on mirage um i feel like i prep for legion in my pair at the moment for score Okay, yeah, and that's probably like Morgul 2 or Rasheth or yeah. something like that. Like for me right now, it's Rasheth um, and Winds of Death with three battle engines. Um, but yeah, a lot of people uh, a lot of people have been playing Morgul 2 there. Um, a lot of newer players for Scorn will try to drop Zal into you um, in that situation because like it works really well against uh, Iona or Grail, which is a lim- similar list style. Um, in which case they try to jam you with a bunch of models and you have that you can't kill and contest everything. 
Uh, so you have to, so usually this is all, the immortals just run through everything and contest their zones and let the Supreme Guardians do work. Uh, but a muck really messes with that plane a lot if you place him aggressively. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I know one of the other things going for Morgul is he has mortality, which is really good, especially when he, he runs up and blinds everything and then mortalities it because he's now effective magic 10. Um, so that helps. And then he can also make, it's not as big on Legion, but being able to make a Supreme Guardian incorporeal is okay, I guess. Ghost so, yeah. Rock Man's charging casters is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having played the Mortal 2 versus Kalos 1 a little bit, um, some of the things you can do to make it a little bit better is usually the Rotwings run in front of Chosen. You're going to want to do the opposite in this game. Um, block line of sight to your wings, uh, to your Rotwings with the Chosen because his feed is line of sight based. Yeah, that's interesting. Do people bring a misspeaker with him or uh, not uh, a misspeaker, the escorts or whatever? They're... The uh, Solworts. Solworts. Usually you have one of him and uh, so we have two three-point solos in the theme. One is the Art Node, one is the uh, extoler uh usually you bring one in one um so we can have the magic 12 mortalities on fee turn okay <laughs> uh but did he does need the uh he usually does bring the art uh, the guidance guy so he can see through cloud walls for his feet okay. yeah that makes sense oh are we think we're gonna wind this up uh cutter you satisfied we got uh some knowledge about both circle and scorn from... Yeah, I think overall that I'm hoping that'll be helpful, uh, particularly to players who are looking at going to events but maybe don't get to practice against those factions too much. Um, maybe, maybe we can get each of the the co-hosts tonight, the guests, to give like a like a general summary advice statement to the legion players so like if you're going into circle like consider this or like think about it this way would that be cool with you guys and then maybe yes. i'll talk about my twins list a little bit here so uh jesse why don't you give us like a one sentence uh piece of advice for legion players leverage your callous feet to not lose your entire army in one turn against i am yep Seems so good. <laughs> don't forget defeat it's <laughs> like the important bit there. Uh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, like your entire army is going to die in one turn potentially. Yeah, yeah that's that a, it's tough. It's tough. And uh, uh, Peyton, what what do you have for Scorn or for Legion going uh, into Scorn? So I would heavily try to threaten assassination. Um, Legion has historically been able to do this well, and a lot of our casters right now are camping one to two. Um, so just be able to bait their casters into a forward position and then threaten to kill them. Sounds good. Yeah, Legion does love killing the hell out of casters. <laughs> and you have a podcast too, right, that I wanted to I, bring up? I do. Uh, I'm on a Scorn-based podcast called Disciples of Agony. We're on the Line of Sight uh, website if you want to check us out. Uh, we post our cast uh, twice a month. And I believe you just started uh, a Patreon as well? We did. Uh, just started a Patreon about a week ago. Okay, fantastic. We'll be sure to link to that in our show notes. So I know this is a Legion-focused podcast, but if what you have heard from Peyton is interesting and you like how he talks about Scorn, definitely give them a listen and go support their show. Cool. Uh, yeah, so take those things into account uh, to kind of wrap up 
the episode, uh, we got our votes in for the caster vote between Twins, Lilith one, Ryest one, and Bethane, who was a leftover from the last the last voting. <laughs> Poor one out for Bethane, man. She comes in second. Now she doesn't get a single vote. Ugh. Yeah, I think we might have been getting trolled a little bit there. <laughs> but uh, Toku's still trolling us. So that's great. So we're, yeah, we basically ended up with the twins uh, to try and put some lists together, get some games on the table for this this coming cycle. And then Lilith one and Rias one both got second place. So we'll just put them into the next one and just add two new casters. So basically what I wanted to do with my twins list is I, I use these lists generally. There's a journey. It's not really a journeyman. It's a steamroller league for a bunch of players who just got out of the journeyman. So they're kind of putting their list together and I'll bring a competitive list that I have practiced with, and then I'll also bring one of these experimental lists. So I brought the twins this week, uh, and that's what he wanted to play. So I was like, okay, this will be interesting. I want to see what Golab can do, because that seems cool. And I really, if you're playing twins, basically their whole kit is just how do you deliver Rias to things, and maybe you protect something. But really, it's. I was looking at their kit again, and I'm like, there really doesn't do anything. It doesn't extend threat. It doesn't increase damage. It doesn't have any durability buffs. There's like some minor abilities to maybe deliver things with banishing work occultation. But for the most part, you're just bringing Rias at them twice, hopefully. And so I wanted to try out Golab because then maybe you get to use Rias more than twice. That would be cool. And I was, I built a couple, I built a list and then forgot a bunch of models. Yep. So I had to rebuild the list. I uh, realized that I still didn't have models in that one. And then eventually got to a point where I was like, okay, I actually have all the models for this. And oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go into the details of the whole list, but basically I had a, I had a protector, I had Golab and a Seraph. So I was like, I'm going all in on this Riotus thing. Uh, and then the rest of the list was like, a, I put a Naga in there because I I forgot Zuriel. So did not have Zuriel in that list. Uh, I had a couple spell martyrs floating around. And then I had Warmonger, full Warmongers with Goreg and uh, Warchief, despite my better judgment, and Chosen, a full unit of Chosen, and two Hellmouths, of course, because, you know, it's primal terrors so uh beyond that i had swamp gobbers and then i had a feral geist so it's kind of a hodgepodge list uh but it's somewhat standard for maybe like a primal terrors without a blightbringer and i have to say my opponent i didn't know what they were bringing i couldn't even remember what faction they were playing and it ended up being Haley one and uh in Sons of the Tempest, which normally is like, okay, so they're playing around with stuff. It's not that great. Twins are terrified of that. Mm-hmm. It is a terrifying thing to run the twins into because everything sees through stealth for the most part. There are e-leaps everywhere, which can just randomly kill twins. Uh, they can they shoot warmongers completely off the table. And I occultated my warmongers and still lost the vast majority of them. That's Doesn't upsetting. Matter. 
yeah it was it was pretty bad uh the protector actually ended up being really clutch uh because there was also of course an alton ashley randomly in the list that kept trying to shoot golab in the face so uh once i repositioned golab i got to pull that one shot off which kept golab alive fortunately and overall it was it was a really interesting game. Um, he, you know, he's a bit newer, so his his black thirteenth got a little too aggressive, killing all my warmongers, and then like the two that were left killed the whole unit, and then dug into some other stuff. Um, I took the Valkyries out of the list. I originally had them in there, but I was like, I don't want to tech too hard against this guy, you know. Um, the I still had the Naga in the list, which was pretty good because there were two arcane shields in that version. And uh, my war chief did nothing and died, so that was at least par for the course. And <laughs> don't let Donnie hear you. Yeah, I know. I'm sure Donnie's gonna listen to this. His ears uh, are tingling right now. Yeah, <clears throat> the gobbers were actually really good, so that's that's something that actually gave me a lot of play. And the hellmouths. I explained to him and I like helped him reposition things throughout the match, but they were a major thorn in their side. And it's really interesting because the between the clouds and the hellmouths, I didn't really get to use the twins very much. Rias killed one thing the whole game. So I they were kind of cowering behind a central forest for most of the game. But it was it was really interesting to play the twins that way because in my experience, a lot of the time, you kind of get into the thick of it right away. And Rise goes up, she does her little ballerina murder thing, uh, and then she dies, and you bring her back and whatever. And it just wasn't. It's a different game with Primal Terrors, which was kind of interesting. And uh, they don't protect their the Ogren very much. But the Ogren are kind of a smokescreen for Rias, right? Like the whole the whole idea is Rias is there and she wants to kill you. So it was an interesting game. Um I don't know that there's a lot of play in the current meta for that kind of thing. Uh the Seraph, even though because the threat extension wasn't that necessary, it actually was really good for positioning, getting that extra little bit. Um, the warmongers is what let me get into all of the black 13th so they had vengeance and then slipstream so that let one get way up there um <clears throat> golab is cool um in general the list can often suffer from you wanting rias to do all the work so having another thing that's kind of like rias but a war beast is pretty neat and then you give her sprint too so there's some interesting stuff going on there they can both go over the lines and then come back because of acrobatics and flight. Uh, you still have all of the pain and the ass stuff going on with, you know, they have to be within eight inches of each other, that stuff. And the control ranges can get a little messy because of Golob flying all over the place. But overall, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I felt going into it. Uh, I think. If I had had Zuriel, it probably actually would have been worse. But I think one of the things that I'm starting to see in Legion, which is weird, is we just don't have ranged attacks 
on yeah. a lot of our lists, or we have like one. So my Seraph rolled one shot the entire game. Oh man! Every single time it rolled one shot. So I was a little sour about that towards the end of it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, um, my Naga did get a crit, but yeah, I mean it's it's something. Uh, I was originally gonna put Eilish in there because I like the ability to remove upkeeps. Not being able to take a muck, really, I'm really sour about that. <laughs> <laughs> So if anyone's building this list, Conflict Chamber lets you do it. That's wrong. You cannot have an attachment. Oh, really? So don't put them in there and think that, you know, it's it's actually how it works. You cannot have a mock in your list. Wait, let me just uh, with the twins. file a bug report right now. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting. It's cool. Uh, definitely play around with it. I think if you try to put the Blightbringer in there, it's probably worse. Even though you're going to be maybe tempted by getting your Chosen and your Warmongers buffed up and get Rias buffed up, the ultimately the list is just going to feel way too light on. So I would strongly recommend kind of diversifying your build a bit because they have 12 Fury between them. And even though Saren's just running around like an idiot most of the game, not spending anything, you can spend her Fury to heal things. Um, you know, maybe she puts some spells out occasionally. Or like I was throwing like razor winds out uh one round. So I think having the beast is really important. Uh, and it gives you the ability to put in some interesting uh tech choices too. So check it out, you know, try messing around with the twins. If anyone out there is a twin savant and actually, you know, putting some good lists together let us know, because uh, it's something that we talked about a bit internally, and I'd like to know what, what other people are seeing out there. Yeah, right on. Thank you, Cutter, for that uh, awesome breakdown. Um, I think that'll about do it. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about, Peyton, before we let you go? No, I think I'm good. Okay, Jesse? Just saying, I think Fiona's fine in the current meta. So play Fiona is uh, the advice here. I don't know. That's the guy who brought Fiona to War Machine Weekend. <laughs> like I like Fiona. I, I liked her. I liked her back when she released. I, I I don't know. Maybe she's good enough. I don't. know. I'm not sure. Like it's it's be something to it'd be something to try once I'm off this Callus Two wave because right now I'm I'm definitely all on board with Callus Two. Fiona has a great Golab. Oh, I bet. One of yeah. the best Golabs. Oh, uh, because because of Fury and Admonition. So you can do some pretty cheeky things with that. And Native and overtake. overtake. Yep. Very good. Those are all good. Fianna with Sprint is hilarious. If anyone has messed around with that. Or Inch uh, If you haven't. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's a funny thing to do. So consider that. Um, if you are playing her in Primal Terrors, I think you don't want the Blightbringer. That's kind of where I've ended up with that. Do you agree, Jesse? Yeah, the uh, Primal Terrors build, you wouldn't take a Blightbringer. And when you say Fianna's good, are you thinking something outside of Primal Terrors? Yeah, honestly, I would just run my Oracles list again. <laughs> Is that I the one with double scorn? Exactly. Uh, that's, um, I got into a, a pretty long discussion about it recently. I think Fianna can just kill all the Immortals and kill Makeda. Yeah, that's oh. interesting. Scorn's fairly lack, uh, lacking in map buffs um, outside of Morgul, which doesn't work on Fianna. 
or the Fianna list if it's an Oracles. Yeah. There'll be two thrones in it, but there's also a mist speaker, so you can blind one. And then I'm within charging of the other. If you <laughs> if I don't have a sprint target. <laughs> yeah, it seems scary. I feel like Makeda three might just run that over though, right? Like her beasts hit really hard. They all have Grievous. They're fairly but, accurate. But they're only met eight, so we're hitting on boosted nines. Yeah. Uh, also, they have 13-inch threat, which is the same as a slipstream Nerif. Yeah, that's Indeed. fair. And you can put Wraithbane on it, and you can put Fury on it. So yeah, it's going to be hitting at power strength 18. Seems good. Yeah, I recently did the math on it. If they don't have the Agonizer bubble, it's about an 84% chance to one-round Mollet Korn. Karn. Uh, with the Agonizer bubble, it's like 25. Oh, wow. But it's also wow. possible to get them out of that. and. Even if you don't get them out of it, you can put two nerfs on it. You can put a couple of pot shots from random sources. You know, like you can you can tweak that math. Cool. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And right. then you can also use the push effect to push them out of bulwark too, which is nice. Yep. So you only really need to hit them one time, and you know your first one has wraithbane, and you know if you do have to do the second one, you don't necessarily have to have it again. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, thank you to both uh, Jesse and Peyton for joining us on the show. You guys have been awesome. Uh, I will hopefully get this up Friday, edit it tomorrow. <laughs> We're recording on a Wednesday this week uh, just because I, I am traveling to uh, Toronto to be near the OTC just in case they need me. And uh, that'll I think that'll go do it. Uh, join us on the Discord. As always, link will be in the show notes. Uh, check out the OTC lists and Cutter. Again, as always, it's great to have you on the show, and I appreciate you leading this discussion. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to say thank you to both of our guests also. Uh, sorry that Wolf can't be here tonight. He's got some real-life shit going on. So, yeah, I'm very happy to have these discussions. Uh, we are trying to find some other faction experts to have on the show to help give some insight so if you see us on the discord or interested let us know we love having guests on so let us know and yeah i look forward to chatting with everyone on there and immortal starts next week so that's exciting news too we just saw some of the teasers today oh yeah they're super cool i'm i'm terrified and intrigued all at the same time yeah, I'm definitely thinking about putting a solid six months into playing them, but we'll see. The only WTC player in my fa- in my local meta has me has uh, handed my dad, who owns the local store, uh, a seven hundred dollar check to buy Max FA or starting to buy Max FA of everything. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's planning ahead. That's one way of doing it. <laughs> Yeah, they do have some scary things. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's probably about two grand altogether. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the things like Forsaken bombs don't work on them because they have essence. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet, yeah. I could see them changing Forsaken to actually work. Maybe. That would be cool. Uh, Absalonia 1 and Saren 1, their little blight AoEs don't work. Yeah, they're not going to change those. Poor Mosar and Thermon Drain don't work. Yeah, there's a lot of things. <laughs> All right, well, Infernals so. is a discussion for another episode. Maybe next week when we actually have the rules in front of us. 
But for now, I'd like to say thank you all for listening to episode 34 of Blightbringers, and we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers, everyone.